Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> You're giggling already. Already. Um, it's for twofold. Um, You're delirious. We'll get, we'll get into that. But yeah, I, um, I, I'm you, just going ju- to, I'm just going to jump into uh, like what's going on. Yeah. You've been through the ringer a little, a little deliriousness is uh well, well earned, I think. So we're finally getting back to like regular life this week, but while you were on the opposite coast doing AHS and learning things and having fun and teaching things, um, I was in the hospital with Cole, um, which sounds a little weird, but um, I've been getting a lot of questions, so I just thought maybe we could do a show about a appendix and I could just catch people up about what's going on with Cole and then also what we're doing because um, abdominal surgery and IV antibiotics are kind of a big deal. Yeah. So for people who don't follow you on social media, do you want to start with like... I'm going to get into that. I'm just like, you got to do a little teaser. That was me. Like I was doing a little like dangly motion with my hand like you would for like a dog or a cat with like a treat. And then I realized it's like totally A, no one can see what I'm doing. And B, not a treat that I'm dangling because it's a kind of a sad story. Yeah. So so I, I, I guess I'm a little delirious too is what I'm saying. I I think it's interesting that you actually downloaded Snapchat in order to be able to follow me on Snapchat to find out what's happening. So I think, I think quite a few people do have some of the story. But the story goes something like this. Uh, that literal day after we got back from traveling home from Orlando and visiting you, um, which, you know, if people have listened to the recent two podcasts, heard us be together. So this is not new news that we were visiting you um, among many other people that we were road tripping and visiting. And the very next day, Cole at the dinner table said that he had a tummy ache. And, you know, we'd been eating a lot of um foods that we wouldn't normally eat, gluten-free treats, stuff like that on the road. And so we were just like, yeah, you know, we've been kind of pushing it. Just go to bed early and um, if you're not hungry, that's fine. And the next day he still felt ill. And so Matt took him to the doctors and Matt specifically took him to like one of those walk-in urgent care clinic places because we wanted to make sure that they had an ultrasound and an x-ray if they needed to check um, Cole's abdomen because what he was describing to Matt and I sounded a lot like appendicitis. And he was saying that he was having cramping pain in the location of appendicitis. And so Matt took him to the doctor and the doctor, we told the doctor, the doctor said, no, 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 he doesn't have appendicitis. He has the norovirus. 
or the rotavirus. He is just getting like early symptoms of it right now, and he's going to definitely um, show the rest of the symptoms in the next couple of days. And these are what to look out for. Blah blah blah. And so we trusted a doctor. That's what we do. Um, but we're also mindful to keep an eye on Cole for those symptoms that they said, you know, were going to happen. And after a couple of days, Cole still wasn't eating. He was actually vomiting, um, which is why she thought it was neurovirus, but turns out he was vomiting from pain. Um, he never had any of the other symptoms to look out for. And so it had started on a Monday and that Friday, Matt said to me, something's not right. I don't like, it's just not right. I'm going to take him to the ER. And so he dropped the ki- the little kids off with me at the office and took Cole to the ER by himself. And as soon as Cole was seen by a doctor who literally just like gently put his hand on Cole's stomach, um, he was like, oh no, absolutely. This is, this is definitely um, appendicitis and I'm going to prep an OR right now. So um, we were very quickly moved through the process, got a room, were prepped for OR, Um, all that kind of stuff. And when they went in to do surgery, turned out Cole's appendix had ruptured. Um, and that's a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, for people who either don't know someone who's had this or not, um, and what we'll talk about a little bit. And I had no idea. I knew that a ruptured, a ruptured appendix was a bigger deal than an appendicitis in general. But um, what I didn't understand is that what that means is that the bacteria from your colon, um, it's literally like poop exploding in your belly, um, goes all in your abdomens into your, you know, and and could affect your other organs and and give you sepsis. And we're really lucky that Matt's instincts were such that he was just like, this is not, this is not right. This is not the normal. No, a ruptured appendicitis is considered a medical emergency and it is like immediately life-threatening, I think, um, I guess I'll need to thank Matt's intuition on that one. Yeah. So um, the good news was is that Matt had taken him to one of the best hospitals and had that, you know, has specialized children's surgeons and everything went really smoothly. And um, Cole was, we were told he was a quote unquote medical miracle because the doctor was like, I don't understand why he's healing so quickly. I've never seen a kid with a case of, a kind of ruptured appendix that he had be up and walking around and feeling so good so quickly. But like, if he feels good and you guys want to go home, you can go home, which was like two to three days before they anticipated releasing us. And I will say that I a hundred percent believe that that has to do with the lifestyle that we lead and how quickly his body was able to kind of heal on its own and, you know, focus on uh, the inflammation and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I, I did get some criticism on social media because I mentioned that we were doing some protocols in conjunction with medical medicine. Um, and people didn't want me to give the impression that we were like only treating coal with bone broth, but that's not what we did. We did what we always do and what you and I talk about all the time, which is that there's kind of this best of both worlds when you have the knowledge of um, this low inflammatory, high nutrient, ancient healing lifestyle as well as modern medicine. And we took advantage of both things. So um, while we were in the hospital, Cole absolutely went on IV antibiotics. It's it's necessary. He had abdominal surgery as well as we don't want him to have sepsis or have the potential to die. So he had an internal poop plosion. Right. That's it's kind of a big deal. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. And um, of course, I, I studied sepsis during my PhD and my first postdoc. This is like a topic I am intimately familiar with, and it is not something you mess around with. Right. So absolutely, he went on IV antibiotics. Um, he also was on a stronger pain medication than any of my kids have ever been on. We've never even had a child hospitalized before. The extent of anything like this, Cole had stitches in his mouth right before kindergarten um, from falling on a rock wall. And Finn had a fractured elbow that was like, just got a cast. He didn't have any sort of um, medical intervention. And it was off really quickly too. Really super quickly. Um, So for us, like this is a really big deal. And, um, so we did everything that we know how to do. We not only took took advantage of the medical um, things that were there to save his life, but we also, you know, um, focused on giving him as much nutrient-dense food as we could get while we were there. Um, we gave him bone broth. He, he just really has not been hungry and especially wasn't hungry in the hospital. Um, but we went out and got like pho, which he does really like with rice noodles because it has made with broth um, and tried to do the things that we could based on what we knew he would like and also what would help him heal. And then um, when we got home, we've really been trying to encourage him to eat those nutrient dense foods, food with probiotic, foods that will help him heal, feel better and Also, our biggest thing for him right now is helping him gain his energy back because it had been over two weeks of a loss of appetite between, you know, having it come to begin with, with the the Mm -hmm. appendicitis. And then while he was in the hospital um, and after not feeling well enough to eat and, you know, being on an IV, like it just kind of messes with you a bit. Um, And so now he's feeling so much better, like... This weekend we went and it was super, it was like 123 degree heat index here this weekend. What? It was crazy. So we went to the mall and walked around inside to do poke walk and do a little like back to school shopping and Cole totally hung. It was about 5k. We were tracking it with the poke go game, Pokemon go game. And, um, it was about like 4k, four kilometers. And he was like, I'm, I'm feeling tired. Like I want to head back to the car. And so by the time we got back to the car, it was about five kilometers overall. So that's like, that's huge for, um, what the doctors were expecting of him and the turnaround time and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I thought it might be interesting because a lot of people were asking about like, what is appendicitis and what are some of the paleo lifestyle type things we're doing to help Cole heal faster, I thought it might be interesting for us just to kind of touch on it a little bit, and um, which explains the giggling at the beginning of the show, because we've said poop explosion and, like, all <laughs> kinds of different poopy words, and you know how I feel about the poop talk. I know, and I hate to tell you, we've got a whole pile of questions in our queue for upcoming episodes <laughs> too. Sorry, right, I'll get over it. Um, yeah, so the appendix is this, like, small little, I don't know, like cul-de-sac. <laughs> it's like, it's like just a little, just a little side, little part, um, of the large intestine. And, um, it's currently believed to be considered like a reservoir, reservoir for the microbiome, the large intestine microbiome. Um, so the large intestine has, you know, by far and away the most, 
bacteria in our body. That's where most of the bacteria that live in or on our body are reside is in the large intestine. And, um, and they, the bacteria in there help us digest our food. Um, they liberate nutrients from our food. They, um, influence our immune system. They influence, uh, our hormone systems. They influence our, um, central nervous system. They produce neurotransmitters and it's, you know, we're, we're starting in science to sort of think of ourselves actually as uh, like a multi-organism. So rather than us being one species, we're actually, um, you know, we've evolved with this community of bacteria and we are as dependent on them for health as they are to us for a home and food. Um, so the the current thinking of the the appendix is that it's, it's a, a reservoir for bacteria. So if you got some kind of... Um, virus that causes, um, you know, horrible diarrhea and wipes out the large intestine, you have this reservoir to see, reseed the large intestine. And, um, and so, uh, for, for a long time, you know, if there was any, you know, I mean, there, there were doctors who would just take it out if they happened to be in there, just like, you know, there's, there's doctors who, sort of routinely go, ah, don't need a gallbladder either. They just take out the gallbladder. I mean, that's sort of like old, old medicine. There's, there's fewer, fewer of those now, thank goodness. Um, but, uh, but what an appendicitis is like the word, the suffix itis means inflammation. So it means that that little, the attachy bitty side thing, uh, it's like a, I think of it as like a cul-de-sac off the main road. Right. Um, it gets inflamed um, and and very severely inflamed, um, which because of the type of tissue it is, that really impacts um, the the integrity of the tissue. So it becomes uh, more fragile. Um, it fills with pus, and um, if if and I mean I, I I've seen some reports of appendicitis. Um, uh, like going away on its own, but generally if left untreated, what can happen is that it ruptures and you have a internal pooplosion. Um, and so what causes that initial inflammation, that's the thing that, you know, it's sort of impossible to tell. There's clearly multiple different causes. Um, and clearly infection is uh, a strong possibility. I know that, um, the last time I was at the pediatrician's office with one of my kids, um, they had started in that pediatrician's office. They'd seen so many atypical appendicitis recently that they were checking every single kid for abdominal tenderness. Um, so they've, they'd seen this dramatic increase in appendicitis. If you see a dramatic increase in something like that, um, it really points to an infectious cause because that's not those types of spikes in something is not. Right? That's not like, ooh, all the gluten in our food supply. That is something's going around that is inflaming the the appendix and um and it's it's you know, it's it's going around. Um and there's probably a whole pile of factors that determine whether or not, you know, one kid actually ends up with appendicitis versus another kid who just has whatever the other symptoms of this infection are. I know that a ruptured appendix runs in my family. Um, and so you do have like families that it tends to run in and that could be a genetic factor or it could be a, 
lifestyle factor that families tend to have in common or the fact that there tends to be gut microbiome um, things in common within families. So I think all that kind of to say like it's uh, it's right now the causes are not very well understood. Um, there's obviously various factors that influence it and it is not in any way considered to be the consequence of any kind of, um, you know, diet or lifestyle problems. So like, for example, we don't see appendicitis more in, you know, kids who eat high fast food content compared to kids who eat whole foods diet. Like that's, that data is not there. So, um, so it's like a sucky, sucky thing that happened to Cole. Um, and you did absolutely the right thing by seeking medical help. Um, I'm actually really surprised that the first doctor didn't catch it when you consider how, like, that wasn't that many days before rupture. Like, I would have expected You know, it to be. as the very strong-minded individual that I am, mm-hmm. I have intentionally not yet had a conversation with that doctor's office because I need to wind down my emotions about how they almost killed my child. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would work on, um, (laughs) that accusatory and aggressive language, uh, in your descriptions before having that conversation. I'm, I'm waiting to feel that release. I have, it has not yet been found. I mean, it it may happen once you you see Cole like finally have that moment of aha like he's back to his old self yeah um but it's a long I mean abdominal surgery is a long recovery and the high dose antibiotics that he would have had to be on to prevent sepsis you know also come with their own complete set of you know health consequences that you then need to heal from so you mentioned complementary approach, which is really what I see paleo in general and the autoimmune protocol as being, right? I think that we become more informed as uh, consumers of modern medicine, and we get to be more selective in terms of what um, modern medicine uh, has to offer, what what we're going to actually use. So for example, you won't see very much statin use within the paleo community, um, but you will see antibiotic use because that's a life-saving drug, but you won't see antibiotic use for a guess when, you know, like you'll see what I do with my kids is, you know, if it's a life-threatening situation, if we're dealing with um, a bacteria with a high, you know, we've got a diagnosis and there's a high probability of, um, you know, there's high morbidity rates, for example, then we do antibiotics, but often we'll do the whole like, well, this is what we think happens. How about we wait two days and see where this goes? And my doctor is totally happy to write me a prescription and say, here's the things to look for. They know that I'm going to make a good call. And they really like that. I will absolutely use antibiotics when it's necessary, but I am leery of overuse and will definitely give my kids a chance to fight something off first. And so, um, that was also a tangent. So, um, so you've got this like dual thing of like actually repairing the large intestine, uh, repairing all of the tissues that were cut open during surgery, um, recovering um, 
avoiding infection and then recovering from what antibiotics does to the gut microbiome. So complementary medicine in the form of a nutrient-dense paleo diet. You mentioned broth. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on that whole side of it? Sure. So, I mean, I've talked before about how my personal genetics have shown that broth is really uh, beneficial because I have some genetics that keep me from having a, a strong digestive track. Um, I'm also, I don't have a gallbladder and I know that it really helps me. And so in addition to my personal genetics, which Cole probably has, um, the gut needs the collagen in the broth to help heal and repair itself. Much like we say collagen, you know, reduces wrinkles. It's essentially doing the same kind of thing inside your body. It's, it's made from bones. Um, so it helps bones, but it also helps repair um, the gut lining, gut permeability, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so from my perspective, there is um, kind of two no greater foods that Cole can have in this period of time, broth being one and probiotics being the other, because um, he just had a whole bunch of bad bacteria go into his entire abdomen but he's also uh, being washed of all of the good bacteria as we cleanse that with antibiotics. So we want to populate his healing gut with probiotics and we want to help the gut heal with broth. Layman's terms, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly what I would be doing um, if it was myself or one of my kids as well. So um, you know, I'd be trying to get whatever nutrition, easily absorb nutrition into their bodies that I could, um, and working on how to very gently and slowly bring back up that community of bacteria in, in the large intestine, um, and rest. I, is he sleeping well? Yeah. So, well, before we move off of nutrition, I want to be very straightforward and also tell people that like getting cold to eat has been very hard. Mm. And I think that that's probably typical for a lot of kids. And I think you kind of nailed it on the head earlier when you said the antibiotics he's on are really strong. He's also taking really big pills on the regular for the first time in his life. I think a lot of us kind of, a lot of grownups take um, for granted that we know how to take pills. And while Cole had learned to take pills, he hadn't learned to take giant antibiotics half the size of his pinky <laughs> three six times a day because he takes two um at each meal and so i think like that also feels uncomfortable in his throat and in his stomach and just kind of makes him feel like he doesn't want to eat so we definitely did what a lot of parents would do which is find foods that he was willing to eat um in order to get some nutrition in him and get him feeling a little bit better and then kind of got it back on track as much as we could so where we made like paleo banana bread and paleo waffles we also gave him um like rice krispies because it's made out of white rice um and it was something that he was willing to eat and didn't upset his stomach. It's not something we would normally do, and it's certainly not the best thing for his gut. But I want to be, like, honest and open with people and not be like, oh, you know, my 10-year-old is only drinking bone broth and <laughs> probiotics right now. Like, you know, kombucha and bubby sauerkraut and broth is only what I'm giving my child. Like, that's not the case at all. We're, you know, we're doing what we need to do to get... Um, 
nutrients in him. And I can tell you that because we're, you know, more than a week outside of this whole ordeal, um, you know, he was very willing to eat things like Jello, which is easy for us to make paleo. And especially like we have a recipe in our blog for making it with like vital proteins and with kombucha. And so we're getting like a double whammy of the gut healing um, collagen and the probiotics in the kombucha when we make those things. But we're also not under some delusion that our kid is going to only be drinking like soup and homemade kombucha gummy snacks. Like it's just we got down that path, the the farther out that we got and the better he felt. And, you know, now he's eating regular paleo meals for the last couple of meals I've been sharing in social media and stuff. Like we're finally back to having family meals and Cole's joining us at the table. And he's eating not as much as he would normally as he works back up to his appetite, but he's eating the same things we are now, which is fantastic. But I, I don't want to give people the impression like that we're perfect. No, I think that. that's actually really helpful too, because um, I think that, especially as parents, I mean, we, no matter what the situation is, whether it's something like recovering from surgery, which is like a major deal, but even if it's like a minor stomach bug and your kid doesn't eat for a day, right? We tend to get very, very, um, anxious as parents, um, when our kids won't eat or won't drink. And I know that, you know, we have sort of different rules when it comes to, illness compared to the rest of the time. And, um, you know, I, I, my kids won't drink broth. Well, my six-year-old will have a few sips, um, but neither one of my kids enjoy just a cup of broth. So I find I actually make rice in it and that's one of our sickness foods. Yeah, actually, we did that too. Let's face it. That's one of our just foods <laughs> in our house. Um, it's, it's pretty much the way I get broth into my kids on a regular basis. And they, my kids and my husband all do really well with rice and do really well with um, added starch, especially at dinner. I've noticed my nine-year-old has never been an amazing sleeper and having a really good portion of starch at dinner, in addition to vegetables and, and a good protein, definitely helps her sleep. So um, so that, that becomes one of my foods. Um, bananas become um, one of my go-to, you're not feeling well, how about try a banana? foods. Um, my six-year-old likes homemade gummies, but my nine-year-old doesn't. Um, and so, you know, I, I also am, you know, not above, uh, Hey, have some gorilla munch. Um, you know, some, it's puffy, sweet, you know, and easy to digest because it's, it's pseudo processed cereal. Um, and so those are things that I, you know, will give my kids sometimes as a, as a very occasional treat, but also as a trying to entice them to consume something when they've been sick. So, um, I think it's, it's always important. I feel like, um, it's easy, you know, I, I'm sure there's some people out there who, give the impression that they live this perfect lifestyle on purpose. But I think even for you and I who very, very much don't and very, very much want to be clear that we're not perfect. Um, I think it's still easy to accidentally give that impression that we're walking around eating, you know, liver and kale and bone broth and <laughs> sleeping I 10 hours every my night at all time. Yes. walking on our treadmill desks all day and meditating and like, yeah, that's like the optimal thing. And I'm always trying. I'm 
I'm always trying to do better. Um, but I'm sitting down right now. <laughs> Although I'm wearing my amber tinted glasses. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I feel like it's important for people to understand that um, these are health journeys. Um, and there's there's never really a destination because it's, it's always a moving bar. And um, I know that both of us are, you know, continuing to con- continuing to tinker and continuing to, to figure out how to make what we know are the right choices in terms of diet and lifestyle work within, you know, a busy life and jobs and kids and budgets and, you know, all of those things. So um, it's okay to not be perfect, but it is important to try. Always with you, what cannot be done. Yoda would hate that statement. <laughs> He would have said something. Good thing he's not here. I, I want I want Matt to put the little the little sound bite in right there. <laughs> no. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Alright. Is there anything else that you wanna add from like a science perspective on this topic? You think we've got it covered? I mean, I'm just glad that Cole's doing well and that um you know, when I heard what was going on, you know, I was, first of all, so thankful he didn't do that at my house. <laughs> Everybody was like, well, I'm so glad that you got back in time. Like, yeah, that wouldn't have been any fun on the road. <laughs> no, I mean, Atlanta's got great hospitals and we would have been able to get him great medical care. But, um, you know, just having your own home as a home base, I think for that type of thing is like, super important. Um, so I'm really glad that you made it home. And um and I'm also really glad that he has – I'm going to knock on wood as I say something like this. I'm really glad – can you hear me? Yeah. I'm knocking on wood. Um, I'm really glad that he's avoided the complications. Um, so I'm still knocking. I'm still knocking. I'm still – see everyone here? I'm still knocking. Um, and that he's on the mend. And I, I hope that he's you know back up to full speed very, very soon. Thanks. Yeah, I would say from a technical perspective, he probably is. I think we're just really catching up on that energy from lack of nutrients for so long Mm. and um, kind of, you know, being horizontal for a week and a half. It takes a while to kind of build up that energy. But um, otherwise, like he walks around, he's off pain meds, everything, you know, we're almost done. I think we've only got like two days left of antibiotics. So, um we're, we're feeling really good about how his recovery went. And, you know, I, before this whole happened, when I was reading about gallbladder, I had read that appendix was very similar. And I feel like uh, a lot of people can benefit from uh, a grain-free specifically, uh, but paleo lifestyle with improving their gallbladder function. But a lot of times your gallbladder is so diseased that it's difficult to bring it back from the brink. We've had a gallbladder show. Um, my gallbladder posts on the blog are some of my most traffic posts. I know that a lot of people are interested in that information. And so I had always thought that the appendix was very similar to the gallbladder in that, A, we want to keep all of our body parts. We were born that way. We, we don't really ever fully understand what everything in the body is doing. We just can't possibly. Um, but that, B, I had this misimpression that if we were paleo, then 
my kids would not need to ever have their gallbladder or their appendix removed. And so it's kind of a a good wake-up call and reminder for me that paleo is not a panacea, as we've said so many times. It does not make us Superman. No, and I think I'm glad that you covered that um, it can be both inflammation as well as brought about by virus because the surgeon felt like it was brought around by virus because he did, like, originally vomit and have a stomach ache and so he felt like maybe he had a 24-hour stomach bug um that exacerbated it which is evidently something that's pretty common for people to get um as you mentioned like a virus and then it moves into that area and doesn't move out um we did tease cole that it was um because he had gone gone on so many roller coasters that he'd knocked his intestines Uh loose and like we didn't realize that he didn't get that it was a joke. Like, we were talking, like, the doctor was like, oh, I heard you went, you know, to Universal, and you were tall enough to ride all the roller coasters, and we think maybe your your body just, like, wasn't ready for those big roller coasters, and, and like, the doctor thought we were joking, and we thought we were joking, and poor Cole had this, like, horrified look on his face, and we are like, no, 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 we're just kidding, we're just kidding, like, roller coasters can't cause a ruptured appendix. So... Our poor kids. We just we're we're terrible um, parents sometimes, but nevertheless, um, who knows totally, what? That's totally the type of thing I would do to my kids, and totally. that's totally exactly what they would think, and they would freak out. <laughs> exactly. It's like exactly a story that would happen in my house. Yep, um, I'm sure a lot of parents can relate. But the point is, we don't. No one knows. Like you don't ever know exactly what causes the appendicitis to begin with. Um, and maybe if you catch it early on, like you said, that you can get over it or you could potentially take antibiotics to kill the infection. Um, like if you saw it in an ultrasound and you saw that it was inflamed, but not like to the point of rupture. I don't know if that's something someone wants to do. I know in our case, um, none of that was really an option. It was just like move him into the OR. Um, So it was like, it was nothing we ever had to consider or worry about. But I do just want to mention that um, there could be those thoughts and those preconceived motions. And I'm sure that there's, you know, a bajillion Google articles um, with many different people with many different opinions. Um, But I I know from, for me, if I potentially could try to solve something, I would try. Uh, But I also wouldn't put my life in danger. So, you know, if you, um, I, I talk a lot about gallbladder, but I think like the appendicitis is, is a similar situation. Um, although the appendix, you need less than you need a gallbladder. Like the gallbladder still is used. Um, and well, we, it's also we understand, risk. we understand the importance of the gallbladder for digestion. We don't completely know why we have an appendix. Um, so there's definitely, uh, more obvious consequences of having a gallbladder removed compared to having an appendix removed. Um, you know, and the appendix is, you know, same with like tonsils are going the same categories. Yeah, appendix. Yeah. We have an idea of maybe what they do now and it's always preferable to keep things, but the consequences of not having tonsils does is not like not being able to digest fats kind of a big deal when you have a gallbladder removed. Um, whereas, you know, tonsils and appendicide an appendix, you know, there's there I don't think we have body parts for no reason. Like I just 
Yeah, that's that's how I feel <laughs> I about really it. Really, don't think about that. Yeah. Um. And and there are some. And actually, interestingly enough, right, the appendix is sort of thought potentially to be a, a home for. Um, sort of a, a microbiome seed um, tonsils. The the new thinking is that they um, sample the food environment as we eat them to to um, be like an early recognition of food antigens. So um, there's actually some new science to show that somewhere like a third of um, kids who are awaiting tonsil ectomies, um, if they give up dairy, their tonsils shrink back to normal size. And to me, that implies that the other two-thirds is just a different food that they're reacting to. It's just not dairy. Um, although that's still such early thinking. But it's it's now sort of thought that that's what tonsils do. They actually are sort of an early um, detection for our immune systems for if we've consumed um, a food that we have an intolerance to. So, um, you know, I think I think it's sort of – you know, I don't want anyone to be cavalier out there with <laughs> removing body parts that someone tells them are useless, but also not be cavalier with, you know, fighting to keep a body part when we're dealing with a life-threatening situation. Um, did Cole's appendicitis present uh, typically or atypically? Do you know? I don't know. So um, the typical typical signs of an appendicitis if anybody you know it's just for like the fyi for people i think this is one of those things that it's good for parents to know especially um is pain um typically on the right side but it can be sort of anywhere from the belly button to the entire like right side of the abdomen um and pain upon palpitation um and that's typically accompanied with um nausea vomiting fever um things that go along with fever, like chills and shaking and poor appetite. Um, and so that's, that's the most, the most common yep. presentation. That's, that's exactly, which is why we thought that it was appendicitis because it was exactly what sounded yep. like appendicitis. And um, anyway, I don't want to get back into that. I've already no, no, given you my no, opinion. no, we're, we're taking deep breaths. Yep. But yes, the answer is it, it presented exactly as you just described. Um, well, um, I hope Cole's doing better. I'm going to let you go so you can go tuck him in or if he's already asleep, give him, give him sleeping boy kisses on the forehead. I assume you still do that. Yes. He likes to be talked, but he's already been talked to you to answer your right. earlier question. Yes. Lots of rest. Um, unfortunately he's wanted to rest, you know, it's just, um, the other thing that, uh, I just want to mention is that, um, we've talked before about how, pets can actually heal, um, actually speed up the healing process and that like purring or petting your dog or things like that can actually help your body heal. And, um, the cats have all been like right beside him this entire time. So I definitely think that has also helped him heal. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting me catch everybody up and for laying the smack down on the science of the appendix. I mean, I'm kind of impressed with myself when you put me on the spot about right, that today, right. that I had that much appendicitis and appendix knowledge in my brain to begin with. Doesn't so, surprise me at all. I mean, I guess there's enough appendicitis in my family that I picked it up over the years. That's a sad, a sad way to learn something. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. 
You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. My brain is buzzing. I just want to state for the record that I was exactly as late as I said I was going to be, which is kind of the same as being on time. So I'm really impressed. Um, yes, being late is exactly the same as being on time. If you predict how late you're going to be. <laughs> I totally had a hard cider before we recorded because they're going to talk about poop. And I'm... I just can't handle it. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. <laughs> 